Welcome everybody to the Mega 64 Quarantine Cast. Welcome. I don't call it Mega 64 Quarantine. I call it Quarantine Cast. I saw, I saw. I'm the weird guy. I saw a comment recently that was like, uh, when, when I was doing my pet peeve list, someone was like, "My biggest pet peeve is when he calls the Quarantine Cast." It's like, I get saw, over it. I saw that comment too. Get over that. That was a special treat it. for that guy. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Uh, it's another episode. It's another day. Yes. We're still here on this planet. We're still living, still still getting through it. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. Yes. We are going to be talking to the one and only Ding Dong. <laughs> was that a good introduction? I, I mean, I feel I like think maybe so. that was a little too silly. Yeah, but <clears throat> whatever. Hold on. Hold deal with it. I'll, I'll be more professional here. Okay. We got Ding Dong. On today's ding, episode, we got ding dong. we're going to be talking all things ding dong, video games. Yeah. Uh, I, you I, know, which is yeah. what he's been up to lately. It was, a, it was a wonderful conversation. We just got off the phone with him. It was a long conversation. So, you know, stick around, clear your schedule because you're going to be here for a while. I don't want to say this is the best episode ever because every time I do that, but you're going to just. But like, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> I, I like, I know an episode's going really good when I could just sit here and, like, be like, I'm hyped on what's what I'm hearing right now. Like, I was just having a good time just hearing the Johnny, conversation. Oh. They're already watching the episode. Oh, sorry. You don't need to sell them. Sorry. They've already bought the product. They hit play. They're here. Yeah, they're here. Let's get into some videos. Okay. So, like every week, I'm like busting my ass. I'm trying to find the next theme song for mm -hmm. Mega 64 and Team. So I think I think the bit will end this week. Like, what I do think, you got for us this week? I think we found it. Um, also, shouts out to Catatonic Youth. This was from their Twitter. What I know to be right is to speak my truth. And I'm going to invite you to sing along. This is your wake-up call. Now is the time to come together. Got to come together. Take off your... Oh my god. You know what? <laughs> the real virus. <laughs> Shut up, lady. I love Shut this up. is from Catonk Youth. By the way, the best parts. your teeth are yellow. Yeah. You might want to stop using the holistic toothpaste. Yeah. It's not working. She has a beautiful apartment. I shouldn't criticize her looks. That's that's low. That's a low blow. I mean, criticize whatever. She's anti-masker. She's one of these uh, new age holistic anti-maskers. You think she plays any of those guitars in the background? It's a cool dance she's doing. Uh, for real though, this is a bop. It kind of is. I can't hate on the music. I was along with her until I started <laughs> listening to the message, which often happens to be the case with music. It's so catchy, but then the words are just delivering an evil message. And uh, no, I don't think she plays the guitars hanging on the wall because <laughs> sh clearly she's performing a song right now and the guitars are hanging on the wall. I think it just looped. Yeah. Right. Let me speak my truth. I was with her. Time in that to smile part. together, baby. Honestly, take every, off those masks. Every once in a while, catatonic youth, youths will post a video uh, making fun of a person. Yeah. But I'll legit be like, I like this. And I, yeah. was, I was down to like support this woman. Like, okay, she's a musician. She's just trying to be creative. Until it was an anti-mask. 
video, <laughs> which I guess makes it relevant for this show. There's this one. I should have suspected that. This one Katatangi's uh, video that always cracks me up where it's like this dude and they just cut out all his like rambling before the songs. And he's like, all right, everyone, Bush did 9-11. And he keeps coming in. He's like, shouts out to all the fucking uh, reptilians taking over the country. <laughs> that one always, I don't know the exact phrasing, but that one always makes me laugh. That was pretty funny. There's this weird crossover between, um, well, like conspiracy theorists, anti-authoritarian government, anti-maskers, and then new age, holistic, um, I'm too healthy because I eat like kale, (laughs) anti-maskers. I think it's just, I think they they have the answers. Like they think like, oh, COVID, you know, it's just, uh, I have the cure, it's ginger, it's a crystal. Um, I think it's more like a tr- uh, um, a lack of trust and authority. Yeah, that's you definitely know? the root of it. Because one of them is like, I ain't trusting the government. Uh, and the other ones are like, I ain't trusting those doctors. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. So, clear. I mean, that lady falls into one of those two groups. I don't know which one. I have my fears. <laughs> Take off your All right, and so uh, what other videos? Do you have any other videos for us? Okay, so people were fucking kicking open my door. Wait, I want to see. Okay, and asked me to watch the fucking cat video. What is the cat video? Should I just go into it? Okay, let me just say I don't. I haven't heard of the cat video. Yeah, I haven't been online this week really. This is a meme that's been going around like for the past. I think it like towards the end of last night and to the like the start of today. So by the time you see this, it'll, you'll be tired of it. So uh, this is a video of a guy on trial. Okay, that's this, all I need to know. This is a Zoom call trial. What is this trial? I wonder. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on <laughs> in the video settings. <laughs> yes. Uh, you might want to. Uh, uh, take, take we're trying look. to. We're tr- can you hear me, Judge? Holy shit. I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the- it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. These guys, That's, these guys I'm are here trying live. To I'm, not, I'm not a cat. Recording of this hearing or live stream is prohibited. Can, Oops. Violation may constitute contempt of court, result of a fine. In up to $500 in a jail term of up to 180 days. I think it looped here, but. I love his initial. Uh. That's awesome. Yeah, multiple people were like, you're going to talk about the cat video, right? And it's like, I uh, guess. Guy probably has a daughter or a child <laughs> yeah, who, like, you, you know, because family share Zoom. Uh, <laughs> and they put on the cat filter and then he hopped on and couldn't yeah, turn like it off. For fucking trial. Those, those filters are fucking buried yeah in the menu fucking encoded. it's like its own menu down to the left when everything else is up here to the right and then yeah. you got to go through it so i'm sure that was like that for like, <laughs> my favorite part i don't know if you heard it is he's like uh i'm i'm uh, willing to just go through with it yeah. as this yeah. like he's just down to be like all right well, i'm a cat fuck it that guy's a g he's like it is what it is yeah. let's move on it probably helps the case because you're not gonna send a kit into jail dude he's the true cat boy it's too cute. Like you're yeah. laughing <laughs> and, and you're probably hearing about all the heinous murders this yeah. guy did. And it's like, yeah, but I'm laughing because it's a cute cat. Yeah. One time I, uh, 
In high school, <laughs> did you ever have to visit a courthouse as a field trip in high school? No, I went to a jail, I think. And they did the, like, wow. take your thumb. Uh, two different high schools. Yeah. I visited a courthouse and mm. watched how trials work. Okay. Johnny visited a jail yeah, and learned, learned how you are locked up in yeah. jail. They, they, yeah, it was a field trip that shows, like, you're this close Why to the fuck does a kid being incarcerated. Who would ever need to know, like, here's proper protocol for going to jail? It was some shit they did in the 90s where they were, like, uh, they I wanted to get in- everyone's thumbprint. For the How database. young were you? I went in like 2002. I was a little kid. They took a little kid and I had they a thumbprint story. All but of us. I'm sorry. And we're going to no, get to the Ding is... Dong interview, but your school took you as a little kid and took you to jail yeah, and yeah. did like a mock incarceration. No, they just were like, hey, isn't this fun? And they took our thumbprints. This is a funny thing. Like, fuck Alex Jones. But in like the around this time, he has a documentary about this because they were just doing this to everyone. They were just getting everyone for you a know thumbprint. what? And he was like, yo, let fucking... me tell you something. Yeah. You're on to something. Yeah. They have my thumbprint yeah. because when I was in first grade, my school sent out this huge campaign to every parent in the school that like yeah. child abductions are real crazy. And one of the only tools we have to recover your child is a fingerprint, which yeah. I don't see. Maybe I'm not smart enough, but whatever. Every kid in my school got fingerprinted, and I didn't think of it. And then later on, years later, yeah, this Alex Jones thing was like a whole generation of children have their fingerprints on file with the government. I think it was a 90s thing. I don't think they do it anymore because we have such good like facial recognition software and shit. Yeah, they don't but, need a fingerprint. Yeah, like a whole generation of like, uh, what, what are we, fucking uh, millennials yeah. uh, are all fingerprinted and, uh, you know, that Now I take an Uber. I watched The Night Stalker. I take an Uber. I get out of my Uber. I go about my night having fun. Yeah. Next person to take that Uber gets murdered in it. My fingerprints are all over the yeah. crime scene. That's, that's like that movie or that show, the HBO show, the, the night of. It can happen just like that. Yeah. Your life will be ruined. Okay. Anyways, uh, it no longer matters what I was going to say yeah. about going to a courthouse. Nope. I'll share the story anyways, yeah. but I won't riff on it. Okay. But I went to a courthouse uh, and there was a guy on trial. Trials are open to the public so anybody can sit in on them. Mm -hmm. So as teenagers, we were like popping in and out of different trials going on. Probably really disruptive that day. Oh, yeah. There was one dude who was on trial as a serial batterer. But essentially, I would listen to the case because he would walk around not punching random people, but he had a series of punching people in the face. Dude. And so it was like... He was on trial because he supposedly had punched a woman in the face at the trolley stop Dude. and like knocked her out. And That's we, how I played GTA. It was a GTA moment. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Moving on. But we don't, we, the trial was the, his, def, his defense was trying to establish like, come on, that could have been anybody. You don't know that that was our client, but they had all these other witnesses come in and yeah. testify of different times. This guy had punched them in the face. So like a restaurant owner came in and he was like, I remember this guy and he was stealing all the tips off the tables and I tried to stop him when he was leaving and he punched me in the face on the way out. (laughs) And then this other woman came in and she told a story like this guy punched me in the face too. And I was like, this guy's a serial puncher, serial puncher. Anyways, that was my story. I think this is a great moment to throw to our interview. What do you think? Uh, sure. Uh, you've stuck with us for about 15 minutes here. You've earned yeah. it. Uh, everybody, 
We're about to talk to Ding Dong. We cover all sorts of topics we get from into it. creativity, how he's been holding up during coronavirus, mm-hmm. to uh, where he's been on the internet and his relationship and all of our relationships with uh, fans and being creator. It was a really interesting conversation. Um, it's about 40 minutes long. Yeah. So stick around and we'll be back with some headlines yes. and our final videos. All right, everybody, we are here with the one and only world famous, world famous, ding dong. Round of applause, Johnny. Um, that was my introduction to our guest. Do you want to do your own special uh, introduction? Oh, fuck. All right. Uh, we got, uh, you know, the, the one and only, the future G4 host, maybe, ding dong. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe someday. And. Yeah, we've basically been talking so long, people are wondering if Ding Dong is actually yeah, on is the he phone. Here? I'm here. Hello. Hello. There you go, ladies here. and gentlemen. Wow. The man himself. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We're going to end this episode now. Oh, okay. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, hi, Ding Dong. Thanks for, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, this is rad. Oh, sorry. I hung up the call. I, I, oh, no. I thought that was... Okay. Oh, shit. The sarcasm is just one of the many things I yeah. offer. <laughs> yeah. To be on this podcast. You got me pretty good. Be, you got me pretty good. Sarcasm. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I need to work on it. Um, yeah. Uh, we are here with Ding Dong, and this is the quarantine cast. So we're going to start with the obvious questions. Ding Dong, are you safe? Are you, yeah. are you quarantined properly? I am safe. I'm indoors. I'm quarantined properly. Things are okay. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, how how have things been going uh, for the past year with you? Um, any close calls with with COVID nineteen? Uh, distant family things for the most part, but nothing directly here. Uh, it's mostly just been staying inside, doing a lot of work, and kind of just focusing on that. Uh, it didn't throw too much of a curveball into like the routine that I kind of have with work. But uh, it's been something. Uh, nice. Okay. Staying safe. That's good. For, uh, for, for any of our fans who uh, don't know, what, what are you working on currently? Uh, I, am, I am working on a video game right now. Uh, if you've heard of those, have you heard of those before? Okay, you haven't heard of those. Be- okay, I, I, I think the, uh, prop, the official response to a question like that is, I dabble. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, we dabble here. It's like a coded language, yeah. Yeah, we dabble in video games. <laughs> it's like a piece of entertainment, but you can interact with it with like a controller, a device of some sort. Inter- interactive cool. entertainment. It's okay. Well, it sounds like a money maker. Oh yeah, sounds like so- something. Uh, sounds easy too. Sounds easy to make. Something corporations should. It's look pretty into. easy. It doesn't cost any money. It's like oh, a, yeah. it takes like a day to do. It's no, yeah, it's I'm sure no you can do it all by yourself too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't even need people. It can kind of just make itself. Dude, uh, AI can make video games. Is that how you're? Uh, is that how you're working it right now? No, the game's making itself. No, no, people. no. I'm actually. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm screwing up pretty bad. Uh, I know. I'm working on it, and I probably shouldn't be. I should probably figure out a way to automate it so I don't have to do it. Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just working on a, we're working on a game, uh, me and my roommate here, and uh, 
It's a platformer beat em up. We've been working on it for about, I think we just hit two years with it now. Uh, we oh, that's awesome. are nice. about to get a demo out for Patreon pretty soon. So just been working on that a whole bunch. Uh, not much else. Kind of just that. Um, I got to mess around with the other, the previous Patreon build, and uh, I was like blown away. The controls were like so tight. I was like, I was hype. Uh, like, I really. Hopefully, oh. you'll enjoy the uh, the next one because we kind of redid a lot with it. There's a lot more polish mm. on there. Uh, I, I'm hoping that there's like a decent response to it. We took a lot of inspiration from a lot of games. Uh, things like the obvious ones are like Mega Man X. Things like. Uh, Astro Boy Omega Factor on Game Boy Advance, if anyone ever played that before. Um, <laughs> games like Guardian Heroes on the Sega Saturn, and also okay. God Hand on PS2, if anyone's played that oh, before. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of different uh, sources of inspiration to kind of put together sort of like a fighting game platformer beat-em-up hybrid. And uh, it's been going all right. Like, we've been having fun doing it. It's uh, It's cool getting to just sort of put all the things you're passionate about, all the things that you really enjoy into just one thing that you can uh, just sit there with for hours, having fun noodling around with just getting it to work is kind of satisfying. So it's, uh, it's been fun working on it. Although it's also something that takes a lot of time. <laughs> um, where'd you get the idea for a platform beat up? Why that, why that genre of game? Was there one game in particular you were playing where you're like, damn, I want to make something like this. Uh, some of those games that I mentioned just kind of 2d action games in general, I always liked a lot, but, uh, it's also cause I don't know, you don't get to see some genres as often anymore. A lot of arcade styled games were some of my favorites way back and you don't see them as often. And I don't know. I always enjoyed beat em ups a lot. I always enjoyed fighting games a lot. Uh, so getting to just put something together, mixing in, like I said, all the things that I already kind of enjoy about games, the things that always excited me about games. It's uh, it's cool to get to experiment around and just try to figure out something that you always kind of wanted to play, but it didn't get to fully exist out there. You would see like portions of an idea that you really enjoyed and you get to kind of put it together, experiment and figure out what it is you would really like to see in a game overall. You know, it's funny with beat em ups. Um, I always, I always struggle with completing a game, and uh, in general, in general, yeah, games are too long. <laughs> but I find with beat em ups, if like those, I, I always are am, am compelled to complete. There's yeah. something about the simplicity and like the lack of a narrative story a lot of times, or it's it's almost like a short story compared to like a big book. I feel like those early beat em ups like had this sense of like. Oh, I need to put the quarters in to finish. Like, I feel like there was there was always like that feeling of like, no, I need to finish this. Yeah, I usually play beat 'em ups on console. You know, oh, like okay. River City Ransom and and more recently like Scott Pilgrim, which they just re released. Yeah, totally. they did. It's on the Switch. I picked it up uh, about a week back. That yeah. game's pretty fun. Castle Crashers. Yeah, Castle Crashers is a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. that's the thing about a lot of beat 'em ups. Usually, arcade games in general, they tried to give themselves just the appropriate length you're not going to sit in an arcade for like five hours at one machine they yeah. give them just enough length that the idea gets to roll its way through you never really get tired of it you just get to have fun the whole time and then it's just it was a good experience you come away from it you're happy you didn't need to be there for too long it just got to uh, make it work for that time that you spent with it and uh that was always the appeal of beat em ups too just a lot of action a lot of movement just lots of things going on a lot of variety typically between uh, levels so uh, especially with friends getting to sit down and do multiplayer with people is yeah. always a good time too having some co-op yeah. going 
So uh, is uh, COVID like, you know, helped you? Fo- I feel like when with co- when COVID hit with creative people, it's either like I've been able to focus and have a lot of time to myself, which has been good creatively, mm-hmm. or I'm stuck in my house and I'm going crazy and kind of like the anxiety is getting in the way of my creativity. Um, have you felt either of those or both of those or uh, a little, a little bit on that, but mostly the way that it affected us was kind of just in terms of budget. Um, it didn't affect okay. the workflow too much because we already are always kind of sitting down working on it constantly, like around the clock. But, uh, it did make things a little more stressful at points, not to mention because we're working with a, a friend of ours too. We have to ensure that everybody, of course, is doing well. We all want to maintain safety for each other. We all want to be able to stay focused and be able to, you know, function. So that's been a thing that we've had to, you know, be wary of, too, while working on all of this. We always have to uh, be considering that kind of thing. But it's been all right overall. I can't really complain too much. It hasn't affected us too much, like I said. But uh, it has it has been a bit of a process with that, and it is the realization too, the idea of this is kind of where we're at. We already were, like I said, working on this around the clock, but with something like this now that you're kind of forcibly kept indoors, that you forcibly are now in that position, uh, it did kind of like draw more motivation towards it because it's something that we kind of have to be there now with. There's no opportunity to really step away from it, which can be stressful at times, but... It also built up a lot more passion for the project. Being able to sit there and just really have days where you bounce ideas off of each other, everybody just kind of coming up with things and keeping it going. It uh it's been somewhat of a positive experience as yeah. much as like there's fear and stress obviously packaged <laughs> alongside that. Uh I don't know, it's been interesting for sure uh as like a light way of putting it. <laughs> it's it, it's been strange. You're working on this thing from your house? Yes. With your roommate? Yes. Doesn't that ever, like, what happens if you get into a fight at work? What happens then? Oh, shit. Uh, well, it hasn't happened yet, but oh, damn. I can... Oh, you guys have never had a creative disagreement? Nah, we've Jealous. had disagreements, but not fights. When I hear fight, I think, like, oh, there's going to be, like, a hole in the wall. There's, there's going to oh. be battle damage <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> No, it's just no hole in the wall, but just like, man, I'm tired of these guys for today. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. I think you go that's to the kitchen uh, and they're right there. I think that's what's been really appealing about this project in specific. Everybody working mm-hmm. on it kind of has a lot of passion towards it, even if it's not like overall 100%. It's never to the point that there's like a harsh disagreement. It's kind of just people bouncing ideas and sort of figuring things out. We haven't really hit any uh, standstills like that yet. But I could imagine if that does come up, uh, it probably would be awkward <laughs> considering that yeah. you're just working from here and this is who you're around and everything. But it hasn't happened yet. We haven't had uh, to, anything like that yet. I used to uh, work, uh, make music videos with my roommate, and that would be like an issue sometimes. There would have to be days where like I had to like stay with someone else. Like we were just getting to <laughs> Honestly, I, I've I'm, always I'm jealous. like any creative team that lives together. Yeah. I, I've never heard of no friction creatively but i mean i like i said there's obviously it can be done done. (laughs) there's obviously like disagreements and everything but like i said it's never to the extent of anything like 
too intense like that. But I can understand it because I have worked with people in the past. I've been on like different projects and everything. It is hard to sort of achieve a balance like that, that you have a lot of people who really do just have genuine like investment in what it is you're doing, because sometimes you'll get that where there is a big disagreement. Everyone kind of falls apart for a bit. It's hard to overcome like a hurdle. Uh, and in the past, I've had things like that. Like I said, with a uh, with my roommate here, we have had situations in the past that we've had to talk things out and like figure things out, but usually we can work through it because we do try to be very direct on that kind of thing. And we try to uh, get past it just because it's a, it's good to get input. It's good to have people bouncing ideas off of each other. If it just went one way, it wouldn't be as interesting being able to kind of share and grow something together. Uh, I think it also depends on the kind of project you're doing. Because a lot of people sort of look at like the end goal, the end result of the project, rather than kind of getting excited for the middle portion where you're making it. Because the middle portion is where a lot of ideas can come up. It's where a lot of creativity can shine through. It's where uh, things you weren't even anticipating could pop up in there. And then the thing you're making actually ends up being more than you were anticipating, more than you were expecting. So it can always be interesting. It can always be uh, exciting in a certain way. Even if there is a bit of friction here and there, uh, it's always good to just be able to talk, bounce ideas off. And that's why it's never been too intense. I think, um, you know, being on the same page creatively with yeah. the person you're working with is the most important thing to completing a project. I like that you looked at me when you said that. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if you're not aligned, there's degrees, I think, to what you can get away with yeah. and still complete the project. But eventually that's like a project killer. If you just get too far and have too, it's why you gotta, you gotta be able to know how to sort of come down yourself. If there is like a heightened reaction to something and to be able to still be mature, respectable and kind of talk it out. Cause you're still working with these people. Like it's a team, it's a team effort and it has to be something that you all remember at certain points. You don't want to go too overboard or you could put a hole in the wall. <laughs> There's always that option. You know, the, Last ditch effort. Just put a hole in the wall. Yeah. I've, I've never done that. Have you ever punched a hole in the wall? <laughs> like when you were a kid? Uh, I love watching I videos of people doing like it. I feel like I kicked one in the wall when I was a child. Because, you know, like I didn't think I was strong enough to do anything. Like, I'm so mad. And then you're like, oh, fuck, mom. How big of a hole me. was it? What? How big? How big of a hole? You know, like little kid foot size. Oh, shit. It's maybe like the size of two bananas. Two bananas? Stacked. <laughs> you know? I don't oh, know. Oh, stacked. Because I was going to say, that's a, that's a big foot yeah. for a child. Well, two imagine bananas. two bananas side by side, and then you fold them up on, on top of each other. Yeah. That, and then you're approaching the size of my foot as a child, if that makes sense. <laughs> This uh, this banana reference is getting confusing now. Okay, so two bananas folded onto each other. Yeah, you know. A doctor would okay. know what I was talking yeah. about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not an insult to you guys, just not properly medically trained. Yeah. So, um... Well, wait, this is more important. You've never put a hole in the wall? Johnny? He, he put... Yeah, you've never put a hole in the wall no. ever? No. I mean, never ever. Johnny um, shuts down emotionally Shut when he gets upset. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the most I did was like when I was a kid, I had like uh, my mom got me like a like a shitty cell phone and I threw that once and I broke it. But that's about like the extent of my anger. I've never like yeah. wanted to punch a hole in the wall. 
I think it's like at an early age, I saw that video of the dude playing Step Mania where he like bashes. I really like that video. Yeah, I remember that one. Dang, his, early age. His, yeah, his like when I was like a teen, I saw that. So destroyed. Like, yeah. Uh, I saw it as a teen. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Oh, when he's like, oh, I guess another fucking monitor is broken. Just yeah. like I broke yeah. this one. Just like I broke this wall. Yeah. And this it's wall. that he he moves the monitor and he reveals that there's like 20 holes behind it. That this happens <laughs> yeah. every single day. I love at the end when he's like, I'm putting my fucking head through the wall. That guy has probably <laughs> killed somebody, dude. He's in jail uh, for murder now. Yeah. At least he's really good at step mania now, dude. though. So, Ding Dong, um, I saw that you recently reactivated your Twitter after deactivating your Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, and that you've kind of... Um, I just deactivated it right now. Oh, no. Okay, breaking news. It's officially Dude, deactivated. This is, this is hot news. This just happened. So you have, like, a video game company, but um, you don't maintain a, a Twitter or, like, a direct connection with uh, the public through social media? Uh, not much. No, I kind of use it here and there, but I don't do too much with it. Do you have a philosophy behind that? Uh, just that I kind of like making things and I don't know, social media. I've kind of watched that happen with a lot of like, I don't know, friends, artists, people in general. It seems like a thing that you can easily get sucked into. You get stuck scrolling or, uh, you sort of get to watch other people get caught up in uh, things sometimes. And I'd rather be focusing on things that kind of like excite me or make me happy. I feel like it's kind of easy to get lost in something like a uh, Twitter and kind of just bum yourself out. I love that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I always get bummed <laughs> out on social media. Usually I get jealous of people who are more successful than me, <laughs> but that's when I turn off social media. It's like, okay, time to get back to work. Cause I'm so angry at my lack of progress here. It's uh, um, yeah, I mean, that's usually the same feeling here. It's just the idea of like what I've done for it at this point. I try to just look at the accounts that kind of excite me. There's a lot of indie games that pop up all the time that I'm interested in. And uh, the indie game seems actually really connected now through social media. Everybody constantly is getting excited for each other's ideas and just sharing them. So that's always nice to see. Just remembering like all the things that you really care about and get excited about. I think that goes a long way. Uh I have like the trending tab ad blocked so I don't have to see it. I kind of just want to focus on uh, the things that I really care about when it comes to like games and just things in general. Uh, it's why I don't use Twitter too often. Usually it's just to give people like updates on what I'm doing. That's cool. Um, oh, I was going to say real quick, like when I like it's been such a short period of me joining Mega 64 that like I feel like I'm addicted to Twitter and like I can't stop reading comments either. Like Johnny, can I can I be frank and no, honest? Please, please, I really need help. This is the first time anybody's ever commented on Johnny personally, like from a fan perspective. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you have a fan base for the first time. Oh yeah, and that fucks with your head. It's fucking with after me, yeah. your whole life, nobody gives a shit, and suddenly every week there's hundreds of people that have an opinion on what you're doing. It's it's scary because there's moments where like I'm. It's like a I love it and I hate it because I love like, oh, you know, people talking about it, that, that's cool. But then I see like people acting like they know me and I just like can see, find these like small pockets of people like on Reddit being like, well, Johnny would do this. Johnny would do that. I'm like, you guys don't know me. This is weird to just find this pocket. Like that's been freaking me out a lot as well. But I can't stop. I can't stop looking. Yeah, no, that's understandable because that's uh, I mean, that's 
kind of the process that comes out of uh, things like this. When you are just posting anything in general, there's going to be a response to it. And sometimes it could be something like people just having, you know, like commentary. People are interested in what you're doing. They're happy with it. But it's always when you see like that one off comment that it kind of sticks with you. Yeah. Because it's the one that stands out against everything else. It's the one that kind of hits harder. But it's always good to kind of keep that in mind, too, when you see that sort of thing. The idea of like, okay, well, somebody's like reading body language too intensely. Somebody's like, hey, did you notice how they didn't use this specific word? Maybe it implies something else. People get to weird lengths with it sometimes. So I, I get the uh, the discomfort that gets to come from it. And it's really hard to like get past it sometimes, the idea of like trying to take your attention off. But it's why it's always good to remember the things that are like good out there, what's exciting about there, and trying to also take into account the people who are obviously giving positive feedback. All right. I don't know if you want to talk about this. So if you don't, we'll cut this part. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I heard that at one point uh, in your career online, you were doxxed. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it happened uh, a few times over. Uh, it's happened more than once to you? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. No, it, it happens very frequently that people. Uh, the thing is, I shouldn't say it's directly a dox because that implies that a lot of the information's accurate. It's kind of gone all over the place. Uh, but no, it was a really common thing for a while. Uh, it was a process for a while. I think it's what's helped try to get past a lot of that is having to be exposed to it so frequently it kind of i don't know you get numb to it a bit this you're starting to get used to it blows my <laughs> mind hearing you say yeah. that and now i feel like i fully understand why you would not want to have a twitter or be on <laughs> social media i mean yeah that was what got me to stop originally was that it pushed very far because it extended way beyond like the point of comfort but as time went on, it also became easy to recognize, okay, well, it happened, it's out there, it didn't really heavily destroy anything, it was just kind of an inconvenience. Because usually that's what that sort of thing is anyways, the idea of doxing somebody. It's somebody trying to, like, throw themselves at you to get some attention by doing something negative, but it also isn't anything that critical uh, it, it's a thing that doesn't have to be overwhelmingly like destructive or anything. It's uncomfortable. It's unfortunate, mm. but it's a thing you can't necessarily let stop you from doing the things you want to do either. If you want to be making things, if you want to be posting videos, you want to be making games, you want to be doing art. You shouldn't let something like that be, you know, the factor to stop you just that somebody else is wasting their time. You should just keep making that's, things. Keep doing I mean, stuff. that's a powerful, I think, outlook Dude. on it. And I don't know. Kind of surprising. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but it's just something you have to live with. I am somebody who believes in the idea of being allowed to have like a screen name online, though. I think back to like using AOL 3.0 that everyone just had a screen name. You had a buddy list. It wasn't about kind of attaching your identity to everything. Social media really encourages that, but it's not a necessary step. And that's kind of just the position I'm in. I, I like just posting stuff online and kind of just doing stuff. Yeah, we are seeing that more and more nowadays, like people uh, having online personas as a screen name. But you'd be surprised. Like, I, I've noticed, like, weird, like, anger towards that. Like, people get, like, aggressive. They're like, how dare you not tell me everything about you? And it's really it, surprising. It is unusual, yeah. It is definitely a thing, too. Uh, there's, especially when there's, like, an audience involved, sometimes people feel like they're kind of owed more when it comes to being, like, part of a fandom or a fan base. Yeah. The idea mm -hmm. that... 
you sort of set up your own expectations of somebody. And then Mm -hmm. when something falls out of line with that, that's usually when people have a feeling of like, have I been betrayed? Is this Mm -hmm. not what I think it is? And that's why you can have intense reactions like that sometimes. But it's also the idea too, that you don't truly know the person. You might be a fan of their content, but it's not like you're on a, you know, friend to friend basis here that you're talking every day or anything. It's that you enjoy their content. You don't fully know them. Absolutely. And yeah, it gets, it does get to weird degrees like that, that people, uh, want to know everything about them. They want it to be uh, as direct as that. I have weird instances with that sometimes that I'll be like streaming work that I'm doing and somebody will say like, oh yeah, remember that time that you went to Burger King and you ordered that? And it's like, how do you remember that? That was like, (laughs) it's like five years ago and I think I made an offhand comment about it. I don't remember anything uh, I say on camera because I do this so much. I'm always in front of camera. It's like I say it and then I just forget it. Even like I have that problem too. Like when I hear somebody call back to something, I always have a moment of like, did I say that? Yeah. I, it's weird when people remember things like that. Sometimes I guess in a way you could say it's flattering. People remember they committed it to memory, but it's also, I don't know. You're, you're taking up like brain storage (laughs) space for, Hey, you went to Wendy's this one day at nine 30 and you got a baconator and it was a little bit soggy. Yeah. It's always, I hate it too. Cause I want to remember, they'll be like, don't you remember that time when you went into a store five years ago? And I'm like, I honestly don't. They're like, Oh, well, I was that guy. And I was like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, oh. I wish I remembered. Um, but yeah, I think there is like a sense of entitlement to mm. some people when they're a fan of you. They expect you to like they can click a video you're in and you're on like you're performing yeah. in the video and they click it and you're always that recording of you is always ready to go. And then kind of maybe mentally that extends to meeting you in person. They just expect you to be ready to go. Yeah. I feel like the walls are starting to blur a little bit with COVID and like certain like friendship sim stuff. Like I feel like we're all inside and and, and looking to content. And I feel like well, may- maybe it's like the, the, the walls are blurring a little bit between content creator and something and I've always found interesting, too, is that people acknowledge that we are independent creators and that we are just regular folk putting our stuff out there and there's no corporation behind us. Yeah. Yet they still expect a corporate mentality to how you interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even when it comes to when mega 64 first started and we were handling our merch, we were just like a couple of guys. We didn't have the infrastructure to really handle returns very yeah. well. So we would tell people like all sales are final and they, people couldn't handle that. And it was just like, I'm sorry, we're young and we don't know how to like, we're not a corporation. Um, and then even I, I, sometimes as an entertainer, I feel like people kind of look at other professional entertainers that are backed by like a, you know, a movie studio or Disney or something and expect you to always be on and maintaining like that corporate brand representation. Yeah. But you're not one of those people like, yeah, no, Just, I, I can, I can get that completely. The idea of like professionalism, because uh, people do that a lot. People will draw comparisons. You'll compare person A to person B, but it's like, okay, person A is an individual recording videos out of their bedroom. Person B is somebody with a million sponsors and aren't in the same position as that. I think people kind of just get reductive with uh, content like that sometimes just because it's probably more convenient. It's probably easier to just commit to it that kind of way. But you do you do get some strangeness out of that. And uh, in that regard, yeah, people having an understanding can also be rough when it comes to things like that. People kind of being inexperienced with something 
or things kind of getting ahead of where you're already, you know, comfortable, what you're ready for. Uh, taking on new endeavors could be scary for that. Uh, it is interesting to observe the uh, the relationship that people can have with the creators themselves because it's also it's case to case. It's different depending on audiences. It can uh, it can be how you also interact with your audience. Like there's a lot of ways that this can vary between different people, how uh, people respond to them. And on my own end specifically, going back to the whole doxing thing, the reason that that one I know it came up partially is because I'm using like I'm using an animated avatar. I'm uh I don't have a an actual face and I think that's enough to just like draw interest for people sometimes too the idea of like oh mysterious hmm they want to investigate cuz it gets to be something kind of exciting uh even if it's something that's very irrelevant and that's just a thing that can come up a lot of the time too or people getting uh red hot and steamy about a controversy that's not really much of a controversy it could be something as simple as a mistake that somebody made something like that what you mentioned with the merchandise it should be something that obviously should be given a bit more of an understanding, a discussion being made. But it it's uh, it's like I said too that expectation that comes from a fan base, what they expect of creators, how they sort of idealize something. They might see somebody else who's on a more professional scale, or like I said, having a bunch of sponsors, because that's also a line that's been blurred a bit. A lot of people who are on YouTube, for example, have sponsorships. They have people that they're doing contract work with. And I think that gets left out a lot that people kind of don't notice it or they let it go by. But it's a thing that needs to be recognized to some extent, too, because it also means that money could be potentially be put towards it. Could be getting additional assistance with the work that you're doing. Some people could just be doing things by themselves. It's uh, it's hard for people to get a read of content sometimes. I think sometimes people think the more personal content is... Uh, much more produced than it really is when it could just be somebody doing it in their free time compared against somebody else who's filming in their bedroom. But it turns out they have like a lot of additional support, a lot of helping hands working with them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like so many times <clears throat> really professional productions can be made by a young kid in their room, in yeah. their teens or twenties. If they, cause they have the time and maybe they don't have a job or they have a lot of free time. They can really dedicate themselves. And then after doing that for a few years, they'll just get hired by a professional company. And then, you know, so those professionally Crushed. produced videos are made by the same people that produce the independent videos. Yeah. You would never tell. It's just who's been picked it's up like, by like, a, you know, a backer or a financier. Ray, yeah. Ray William Johnson shit. Yeah. And, you know, all of this, I feel like it kind of comes with the territory. I don't know if I even want to complain about this expectation that fans have. Mm -hmm. I just want to, like, bring an awareness yeah. to it. Um, because, you know, being on this side, a video game developer or, you know, we make videos, maybe we should think about what the fan expectation is and try to live up to it because there's a relationship here. We're the creators. You're the fans. We want to have a healthy relationship. We want to give you what you want. We want you to give us what we want. I think all I would say is as an independent person sometimes you can't meet those expectations you just yeah. you can't fulfill it because you're just doing it by yourself and you're just trying your best and sometimes you have an off day too and i feel like even your off day is like under a fucking ma like a ultra magnifying glass and uh you know yes try to have more better days than off days yes maybe it's kind of a, a discussion that has to happen between both sides like a mutual respect that has to be built because usually it's like just a one-sided shift with that. It's uh, it's the idea that the audience has really intense expectations. And if the creator kind of falls out of line, that could be it. 
it could also be the creator maybe getting just overwhelmed and they're putting too much pressure then onto the audience. You need to be able to just sort of have like a middle ground that you can kind of have a discussion, respectfully put things out there and the audience be able to actually take it and understand it and work past that. And like he said too, yeah, the idea of trying to do the things that people would like to see, like there is an element of that too. You don't just want to put things out there that, you know, are empty, meaningless. You want to put things out there that people would enjoy. You want to be able to entertain and interest people. So you always want to be able to get feedback. And it's a thing that I've been trying to do a lot on my own end, uh, specifically. I do try to ask people thoughts and opinions on games a lot, just because it helps me when I'm working on stuff. It's good to know what it is that people would feel best about in some regards or things I can try out. It's, uh, it's cool getting to have that. Like that's one of the best things I'd say about having an audience like that. People who are actually interested in the work that you're doing is that you can really gauge them for things like that. It doesn't happen too often. People don't do it too often, but when you can actually like just have a discussion with them and sort of learn off of them what they would like to see maybe they have some input on what it is you're doing that you didn't even consider before uh because i know that can be a thing with discussions with people the idea of like if someone has a negative comment about something that you might be like oh mm, I, i'm gonna have to disregard that because it's making me feel bad but sometimes it could be coming from a position of you know i didn't think about it that way I really like just getting to hear differing viewpoints and why people can also be drawn to different conclusions. So that's kind of, I would say, the ideal relationship with an audience would be being able to have a discussion with them, being able to kind of understand both ends, that the audience can kind of understand the creator, creator can kind of understand the audience, and you can both kind of go between each other with sort of a conversation and move forward and understand and kind of grow uh, with the material that you're doing. Yeah, I th- uh, I mean, that's really well said. Oh, yeah, I feel like that kind of hits the nail on the head. I'm really trying to understand the person that called me a Spurg last week. So maybe maybe it's, you know, something's wrong with him. Maybe maybe I'm- I, I think that's an easier one. Yeah, <laughs> when there's just an insult attached, it might be a little easier to read. That. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones that obviously, like, when you spot that, you can go, okay, that's an easier disregard. But when it's somebody giving kind of like, oh, I wasn't big on how you ended up handling this. Maybe you could do this next time. That's more of a criticism. That's more of a discussion. When there's a discussion, that's when it's valuable. When it's a a throwaway line like that, I can understand. I think as a creator, honest, to be real honest, if you you really got down to it, I think we all create stuff because we want to get a positive reaction from other people. Um, To an extent, yeah. I think, you know, at its core, that really is what it's about. Um, You make something and you want it to be received well. You don't want to make something and not have it be released to any audience. And you wouldn't want it to, to make something and have it released to an audience and they all reject it. You know, they want to accept it and tell you like how smart you were <laughs> and, and how creative you were and how good your thoughts were. For, yeah. Um, for me, that's like half of it. Cause like the other half of me has this moment of like, if I'm not like working, I feel insane. Like I need to always be like tinkering. But then there is yeah. the other half where I'm like, I, whatever I'm tinkering on, like I hope people will enjoy that. I think that maybe, and I'm not going to speak for you, but yeah. maybe if you really got introspective, that thing that was making you feel insane yeah. is that addiction to the positive response yeah. to the thing you're making. Dopamine. And that's what like compels you to make it. Like I'm not making anything that's going to give me that response. I need to create that. that this is something I heard another artist on, on uh, YouTube talk about a guy who goes by the name 10 hundreds. And uh, 
we're talking here about the relationship between audience and creator. And I feel like that's kind of on the creator side, what we're looking for and the audience hopefully can let us know how to achieve that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, like I was saying, kind of a discussion, you're able to at least hear from people what it is they'd like to see. And I'd say more than even just a positive response for me, at least it's the idea of just kind of validation. The idea that you made something and somebody out there somewhere can at least enjoy it. That's not a thing you're kind of putting into the void and then it just kind of fizzles out and it feels like a waste but at least it's like an experience that somebody else could share and maybe get a positive thing from it. Even if they didn't take it the way that you intended, just being able to put something out there and people end up enjoying it. It is a thing that is obviously valuable as a creator. You want to be yeah. able to uh, have a connection with people. You know, it's, I think this is the last thing I'll say about this. Uh, in years past, I would go to conventions and sometimes I'd be out and some, some guy would come up to me after the show and he'd be like wasted drunk. This happened more <laughs> than once. Uh, oh, and sometimes they weren't drunk, but yeah. but they were very emotional. And they'd come up and they'd be like, "Mega sixty four guy, you made a video where you were shoving boxes up your butt. That video, that video. saved my life." Oh, shit. And I, and I'll I'm always taken back. Like, okay, cool. And sometimes it'll kind of get uncomfortable because yeah, they, I can sense that they really want to convey the emotion here. Like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I would not be here if it wasn't for that video. I'd be like, cool. Oh, thank you, man. He's like, and then I was going to end it all, you know, like really driving the point. And it was an awkward conversation. This happened, you know, a couple of times throughout my life, but I do find myself sometimes randomly Mm. recalling those conversations out of nowhere, just driving in my car. I'll just hear that person's voice, you know, just in my, in just a memory that comes back. Um, and I appreciate it. I do. Even though at the time I felt really uncomfortable and it yeah. felt really awkward. And, you know, I, f- I almost want to reach out to these people cosmically and say, mission accomplished. <laughs> you got your message through to yeah. me. I think about you sometimes. And it makes me feel like that video, even though it was kind of dumb, at least it meant something to you. You know, and that is kind of... Uh, I mean- just giving people a laugh when they're in a in a situation where they're struggling, it can be enough to help people by, even if it sounds like jarring or out there, that box is going up your butt, <laughs> made somebody happy. It made somebody happy. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do it for. Um, okay, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, good, good thing to wrap it up on. I want to say, <laughs> you know, thanks for calling us, Jerry. Uh, oh, you weren't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll bleep that maybe. Um, oh, maybe. Well, we really appreciate this. Wait, was, maybe. This was a great call. Maybe. Uh, and I think people just were so just, it was very informative, clearly. Yeah. But you can't, wait, no, you can't let that go into the episode. You can't uh, all right, well, and, and yeah, this we're going to no, end this yeah, here. No. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you once again, Ding Dong. You know, that guy, I think he's actually going to get famous now that he's I been dude. on the show. Uh, and I hope, bump. I hope when his game comes out, he does come back to promote it. Me too. Because, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put him on the map really. Yeah. We'll, we'll make a name for that guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, really truthfully, that was so, oh cool. yeah, that I mean, was really great. <laughs> I'm like glowing still. Yeah. We chatted a little bit before and after yeah. that interview and, uh, yeah, cool guy. Great time. Anyways. Let's do some headlines. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? A lot has been going on 
You can go first. Oh, I was just going to say, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we have some headlines here. We might have some crossover headlines. Uh, what has been going on in the world, specifically in relation to coronavirus? Mm. You know, you said before we started this, and I feel the same way. Uh, the more you read and look up headlines, the more you are convinced that this thing is going to go on forever. Dude, I, I've seen so many articles that are kind of like, hey, I know we're going through the stages of grief with COVID, and I think we have to get to the acceptance that this is here forever. And I'm always like, fuck. But then I'm like, have these moments of like, well, they need to get clicks. So these headlines are super sensational. Like, how much do I believe this? But then it's like a lot of times we're like, oh, most epidemiologists are saying like, you know, with these variants, like we're kind of fucked. And I'm kind of like, no, I want to go back to shows. I want to go to conventions. But I think those will come back. But in like a like a COVID like a, a COVID kind of vibe, like we're all wearing masks and shit. But who knows? Because they're already saying like, oh, double masking is the new way to be. And I'm kind of like, when does it stop? Are we like triple masking at a certain point? I'm starting to feel like that lady. Like, let's take off those masks and smile together. Can I be an alarmist, a sensationalist, and tell you a horror story? Please. Worst case scenario? Yeah. COVID never goes away. The vaccines don't work because of variations yeah, yeah. pop up so often that the death toll just keeps rising. And eventually, yeah. how we overcome COVID is uh, natural selection. That two or three generations down the line, those humans will have a natural immunity to COVID because their ancestors had been exposed to COVID so much and survived. And the ones that didn't survive did not live to pass on their genes. And maybe humanity continues, but we just have to eat it. This has happened before. We're going to be the generation that eats it. Yeah. Like uh, I was reading about the previous pandemics and how um, the, the 18, whatever one uh, lasted a decade until, uh, you know, immunity started to hit a, a wave where like, okay, people weren't dying. You know, when you say that, uh, and that, that, that oh. actually makes me feel good. What were you going to say? Oh, I was about to say like, and, and in that article I was reading was like that, uh, version of the flu is still around like today. It's not killing us. And I, everyone's saying like, that's probably what's going to happen with COVID. Like it's going to be a decade of like, this is going to be around. Like, a decade doesn't seem that long to me because 2011 doesn't seem that long ago. To me. Yeah. In 2031, it's not that far off. And actually, it'd be, what, 2029, maybe? And we'll be in, like, a, a level of, like, normalcy by, like, during that. Like, there'll be, like, it won't be, like, how it was. Like I said, it'll be, like, a post-COVID kind of world. But I think there'll be, a, we'll get over it at some point. That also makes me feel good because you never hear about the 20s being the uh, the, the flu decade. No. Or the death decade or the virus decade. I mean, it's Great the Depression. roaring 20s. Yeah. The Great Depression uh, started in 1929. Okay. Which would be right after this uh, flu epidemic was solved. No, the 20s is uh, remembered as like a, a, a high point. Yeah. You know, clappers, clappers. Great Gatsby. <laughs> dancing, money, stock markets rising, the invention of cars, uh, 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 machine guns, uh, secret, yeah, uh, secret alcohol, bars, secret bars, speakeasies, prohibition, prohibition yeah. cool, cool gangster movies, racism. Oh yeah, you got to bring that up. <laughs> okay, that's still a problem today. Don't yeah. blame that on the twenties. Uh, it's just, it's just a, it was you know it was a readily available. All right, do you want to get into headlines? 
just once, I'd like for you not to play the R card. Oh, dude, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to piss someone off. I always do when, yeah. when I say racist or racism. Um... Oh, how were the 20s racist, Johnny? Um, I have these articles that... All right, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start here. So, What uh, do you got? Headlines. Russia... Put a thing here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Headlines. <laughs> uh, Russia is luring in vaccine participants with free ice cream. That's <laughs> clearly <laughs> propaganda. I know. Because <laughs> it implies... That Russia is so backwards, they don't have ice cream over there. Uh, imagine if you didn't want to go through a medical examination, but the doctor offered you free ice cream. Would yeah. that change your mind? You'd have to be in a pretty fucked up state of mind <laughs> like, for that to work. Who are they trying to vaccinate? Like children? Like yeah. who's this working on? That's written by the anti-Russia <laughs> board. Uh, do you have a follow-up? What's uh, it say? Well, it says like it's because they have like an oversupply of vaccines because no one is taking it. I don't think Russia trusts its own vaccine because they were yeah. the first, they, they skipped a uh, FDA approval. They kind of just did it. I, I was watching these history videos on Russia and they said that there's such a long history of political corruption in Russia going back hundreds of years yeah. into like the czars and the Royal families. But yeah, culturally it's like, eh, can't trust the government yeah. <laughs> over there. But they're like hoping uh, ice cream will make it all better. Yeah. And you know what? Kind of feel the same way about America. Can't I mean, tr- can't trust them over here either. If they gave me ice cream, I'd, I'd get I'm vaccinated. Just talking shit. Okay, <laughs> I got one for sure. you. Let me find a let me find a good one to start with. Okay, here's a positive one. <clears throat> this one will blow your mind. Almost 117 years old, a French nun oh, yes, beats COVID 19. This woman, known as Sister Andre, has lived through both. The 1918 flu pandemic and COVID-19, two world wars and, quote, many sad events. (laughs) That's all I wanted to share about this story. What a resilient woman. Man, she's strong, 117. But she describes her life as just living through a series (laughs) of many sad events. That's going to be us on this podcast. Like we're we're the decade, a decade later, we're going to still be here talking about COVID. We're going to be like decrepit. White beard. Yeah, dude. Uh, I look like Gandalf. I still have the cool bandana, uh, uh, but I look like Puerto Rican Gandalf. Yeah, I have a, a like some type nice. of pr- prosthetic, like, but you don't know where. My stomach's growling. I don't know if you can pick that up on the mic. I'm really hungry. Uh, I have some type of prosthetic or something, like a cool like laser eyeball, like that Jews Priest song. Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm really hungry. I don't know if the mic is picking that up. I haven't eaten at all today. Dang. Take care of yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. What do you got? Okay. Johnson & Johnson CEO says people may need an annual COVID vaccine shot for the next several years. Yeah. I heard that uh, your yearly physical will probably just include like a re-up on the vaccine. Yeah. So if you go to the doctor regularly, they'll just pop that shot in for you. That's cool. I mean, I don't go to the doctor regularly, but maybe by maybe the, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. But uh, uh, and this yeah. is why. Oh no. California man tests positive for COVID nineteen weeks after getting second vaccine dose. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that really scared me. I think I read that before I came here. This dude. Uh, 
<laughs> I love the photo of him. There's too, a yeah. picture of him. I don't know yeah. if you can see it. He looks like Uncle Fester. Yeah. From the Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a poor bastard who would get COVID after getting, after getting the second vaccine. <laughs> you take one look at this guy and you're like, ah, you poor son of a bitch. You just can't catch a fucking break. I don't know your name. I don't know your story. But I feel you, man. I can't wait. That sucks. I can't wait for the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about that guy. Getting yeah. the vaccine and then getting COVID. Uh, yeah. And, you know, to follow that up, uh, the first South Africa strain of COVID has been found in California in the Bay Area. And like the UK strain is breaking out in California. Yeah, we're fucked. In Los Angeles. Dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, California might have to, like... Go California. Yeah, dude. We're, heard, we're, I, we're testing the waters. I heard on the on the radio that the governor, um, Craven Gruesome, was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that one. Sorry. His name's Gavin Newsom. Yeah. People who, people who don't like him call him uh, Gavin Gruesome, which I think is funny. I don't know if the microphones can hear Johnny's stomach, but Should it I is put it to literally it? interrupting <laughs> uh, the conversation. It's so loud. Yeah, hold it there, and I'll just keep talking. Yeah. He was saying that there's not enough vaccines to go around. The supply is just, like, not there. Um, we have our vaccine centers set up, but we just can't get it fast enough. So that's what's happening in California. Um, do, you have another, do you have another headline for us? Yeah, I guess with the one time I wanted my stomach to interrupt, it didn't happen. Um, I feel it gurgling, though. Um, okay. Mount Sinai study finds Apple Watch can predict COVID-19 diagnosis up to a week before testing. And I was reading more into this. Apparently, like, it could sense your heart rate. And that kind of is a key indicator to tell if there's, like, a strain on the nervous system. So for all you Apple cucks out there, if you have an Apple Watch, they might implement a thing that tells you if you have COVID or not. <laughs> It'll know before you even get tested. Is that That's scary, right? Like, giving Apple that information. This is such how how much did Apple have to pay for that fucking news story? I think it picked it up. How much <laughs> did they have to pay for that? Jeez, that's gotta be cheaper than a Super Bowl ad. The Apple Watch is the only smartwatch and heart rate monitor that can detect if you have COVID. Shouldn't, I don't shouldn't it be like heart rate monitors yeah. and smartwatches can predict if you have COVID? It's is it specifically just the Apple Watch? Well, it's like uh, this is a study from Mount Sinai, which I think is in New York. And I feel like all the, the medical professionals there probably have Apple watches and they're probably like, this would be a cool thing to test out. And I'm sure they just got traction because it's like a, a nice headline. But I'm not sure if it's like will be the future, but I'm sure Apple's fucking hype. They're probably like, yeah, all right, buy a watch. Uh, learn if you have COVID. You know, unrelated. I watched this documentary once on Gary Kasparov. Uh mm. You know, he was a chess master from, he was like a Russian ch a chess master. I think they talk about him in Queen's Gambit. They probably do because he was super famous. In the yeah. 90s, he was regarded as like a super genius and the greatest chess player of all time in his day. Uh, and he was the guy who went against Deep Blue, the IBM computer famously in the 90s. Yeah. And he beat Deep Blue. That's awesome. In a one-on-one -on -one match. And I was watching this documentary. The next day, IBM stock plummeted. <laughs> the perception that that I don't know what the perception was like they weren't good enough or like a human was better for whatever yeah, reason taking that loss caused them major financial uh 
loss as well. And so the documentary was with Gary Kasparov. He eventually had a rematch with with Deep Blue. Yeah. <laughs> and lost. Oh, yeah. They probably cranked that fucker up. Well, the whole point at the time was to see if a computer, if they could make a computer that was smarter than a yeah. human. In the 90s, this was like a, a big milestone. At the time, he suspected that there were humans watching remotely putting input into the computer. And I can he, see them doing that. He has this whole conspiracy theory about it. It was super fascinating because he's like, there's a moment in the game where the computer did not act like a computer. It acted like a person. And he explains this whole theory that he has. But he says it's based on IBM mm-hmm. wanting to protect their stock oh, yeah. in this rematch. So when I hear this story about the Apple Watch being involved in this study about COVID, I feel like it's funny that they didn't just mention generically all watches yeah. or, or any heart rate monitor. It's specifically that brand. That's got to just be having the CEOs at Apple like dancing. The stockholders oh, yeah. are like, yeah, baby, the only watch in the world that can detect it early. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of shit like that because I know uh, Apple Watch does this thing now where like <clears throat> if you have one and an iPhone, uh, it can they set it in a way where it could detect you. So if you have a mask on, it'll open your phone. Because that was a big issue with Apple. It's like, you hold it up, it can't recognize you with the mask. But they're trying to do some, like, fucking COVID workarounds so you, you become more a- apple cooked. We saw in Japan they have unveiled clear masks. Dude. When are we going to get those in America? I found places to buy those. But here's the thing about the clear masks is it's like, it's like out and forward. Like your nose is just kind of exposed. Uh, I, I don't think that mask does anything. Yeah, fuck that. It's probably just for TV hosts then. Oh, yeah. For the appearance of health. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to share? Yes. This one is uh, related to Mega64 a little bit. You know, you, you know, you may think like uh, with COVID that uh, there'll be no fair cast or anything ever again. But, uh, you know, COVID-19 vaccine superstation to open at Del- Delmar Fairgrounds. So there might be a fair cast where we all get vaccinated. Who knows? Cool. <laughs> you didn't like that. And then we could go into the tunnel, dude, and and be like, "This is what I'm gonna do in the kitchen, baby. I'm gonna." And they're vaccinating us. And they're vaccinating us. Stabbing us with a needle. The guy's got the needle on his crotch. See? now you're on board. Took it took me a minute to warm up. See, I was just sitting there thinking, yeah. how, how am I going to respond to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. took me a minute. We got there. <laughs> we got there. It's all good. We're going to get, uh, you know, deep fried cookie dough right after you get vaccinated. That's what kills me. <laughs> yeah. I know that, that we're going to go through all of this trouble to get vaccinated and then immediately just like rub pickle juice all yeah. over our face. <laughs> uh, it's going to be like, finally, we can return to society. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was my last headline. Nice. Why am I hating on the Faircast? I don't, I don't know. Faircast is fun. It would be fucking awesome if we like that. Could be this like a Mega Sixty Quarantine episode. I just want something different from the Faircast. Yeah. And there's so much the Fair offers that we avoid every yeah. year. It's like we found fifteen percent of the Fair and we do of that every year. So, what I'm saying is. We need to get Rocco on the slingshot. Yes. You read my mind. <laughs> you read my mind. I well, was thinking, would, I was like, so upset. we need to get 
the main guy on yeah. the big ride. You, there's no and, amount of money. And then, then it's something new. And then I'm psyched for the fair cast. We need to figure out the amount of money he would say yes. And yeah. then we just save that up. But if we're just going back there to uh, eat some more deep fried donuts. Yeah. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little sad. I'm going to want, I want to see something fresh and new. Now I'm now I miss the fair cast. Me too. I really do. Dang it! Why did you bring that up? The one year I got to do it with you guys, fucking COVID happens, and then we have to do it in a fucking parking lot. Wah wah wah! COVID ruined all our summers. Charlie. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Fuck. That was me. Oh, wait, do you want to do your fucking five minutes of shitting on COVID? No. Okay. I mean, that's that's special. That's yeah. We'll save it for when COVID like really has a new outlet. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently now. This is such a long episode. Apologies. No, this is good. I think this is the best episode ever. Oh, nice. We'll let the fans decide. Yeah. I, I can't say for myself. Uh, you know, when Donald Trump was elected, do you remember Steve Bannon? Yes. Was uh, had some job with Donald Trump, vice chancellor to Trump or something. Yeah, I don't remember. He's a psychopath though. <laughs> Steve Bannon is a psychopath. He kind of looks like the the lead singer of LCD Sound System. I always think about that. They both have that like gray beard. I don't know, whatever. Okay, if you're still listening and yeah. you're like, what the fuck are these guys going to say? I hate when they get political. This is not political. No. I think this is legit interesting. I think Steve Bannon was right about something. Something terrifying. I remember when um, he was first put into office, there mm. was this news story circulating that basically said Steve Bannon believes that like the end of the world will happen in the next 20 years. Fuck. And then it was like clarified, like, well, what he actually believes is that every 80 years, a worldwide cataclysmic event will happen yeah. that like ruins the world. And I remember at the when time, he said that, yeah. At the time, everybody was shitting their Everyone pants. Like, Fuck you. Well, they were like, this guy is in a position of power. Like, why would you believe that? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, I found this article that, that makes the argument. First of all, okay, before we get there, Steve Bannon didn't invent that theory. He based, it off, he based it off a book called The Fourth Turning, okay, which basically says every four generations, every four generations we go through a cycle of like building up, having a golden age, breaking down, and then crisis, and then it starts over. And he essentially said like, we're about to go into the crisis generation. A book published, this is the headline, nearly 25 years ago predicted America would hit a great crisis climaxing around 2020, and that up next is a millennial versus boomer standoff that will usher in the new world order. That's scary. Essentially, what Steve Bannon and these other people predicted, the fourth turning, might actually be happening with coronavirus. We're going to end it on this, uh, <laughs> but I'm not done. I went to the Wikipedia article. If you look up the fourth turning, it yeah. actually has an official name called the Strauss Howe generational theory. Okay. Um, and I'm just going to read. So the theory essentially says every 80 years, there is a crisis. It's fucking a huge catastrophe for society. Let's go through the past crises and see how this theory holds up. So it says that, uh, I'm going to start with the American ones. The okay. American Revolution, uh, okay. 1773 to 1794. About 80 years after that was the Civil War, uh, 1860 to 1865. Fuck. 
I don't know how long those wars lasted. Then about 80 years after that was the Great Depression and mm. World War II, 1929-1946. Uh, and then, according to the Wikipedia article on the Strauss-Howe generational theory, the latest crisis phase is presently going from 2008 to now. War on terror, Great Recession, COVID-19 pandemic. That sucks. Yeah. It does suck, but I also feel, and we'll leave it on a hopeful note. Uh, when I first heard about this theory, I was kind of like terrified. Like, what's it going to be? Like, yeah. is it going to be World War III? Is it going to be something super terrifying? Now that we're actually supposedly living in it, it's like, well, we're getting by. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think if COVID didn't happen, World War III would have happened. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way, as bad as COVID is, I'm like, well, it's better than World War III. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, if this is that, like, super uh, crisis that has been predicted, we have a vaccine that we're developing. We see we have a roadmap to the end. I almost, you know, the reason I brought this up, even though this is such a huge downer thing, first of all, it's just a theory, yeah. whether you believe it or not. It's just something interesting to think about. Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, toss it out. Uh, if you do believe it, though, and if this one sticks for you, we're kind of, uh, there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And what comes after the crisis is like the renaissance, the, the, new, the new age. In fact, they, they have these ones listed here, too. Um, after World War II was the American high. You know, it, that was when we had like the golden age of America. Yeah, there's the boomers, too. Uh, so after we get through this crisis, according to this theory, we're going to be having some of the best times, uh, generationally that we can imagine. That's something to hold on to. That yeah. is something to look forward to. And I think that's a good note to end this episode on. I agree. Uh, thanks for watching everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back next week with more mega 64 and teen. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe. I'm going to get some food because my stomach is growling. So, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.